All right. We're going we're gonna to finish out this series, a little three-part series on how faith grows. Now, not how it's empowered. We know how it's empowered. It's empowered by reading and hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. But we're looking more at the stages it goes through. And let's just read this together now, the most famous passages on faith. Read it out loud with me, would you? Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Translated, the invisible God quoted the, or created the visible world. And that's how we got it. Not evolution. Sorry, Charles. Darwin. God said it, and it was done. Now let's move on. Now we're going to look at these three men. Again, he's mentioning three men. We've looked at them. Tonight we're going to look at the last one, Noah. But let's read. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. And then it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. What happened to him? He disappeared because God took him. Well, I love that. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who did what? Pleased God. How did he do it? By faith. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him has to believe two things, that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Good word there. Now, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. We've seen the last few times well, that's not a verse. I want to talk to you. So let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Bless it in Jesus' name. Teach us, Lord, to have a testimony in this generation. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Let me, let's recap just a little bit. We've seen the last few times how three Old Testament men illustrate how faith grows in stages. Now, here's how faith grows. It's how yours grows and mine grows. Abel's worship. What did Abel's worship model? It modeled total surrender to God and his requirements. Abel said, when I approach you, I'm going to approach you on your terms. I'm going to approach you in your way. I'm not going to come up with my own best idea. I'm going to do it the way you told me to. And that was through a sacrificial offering, uh, and that's what he brought to God. He brought to God a blood sacrifice and not a vegetable offering like his rebellious brother Cain did. And so we see true worship is to come into God's presence God's way. And that is through Jesus Christ, which Jesus said was in spirit and in truth. Amen? Now then you come to Enoch. First you had Abel's worship, then you got Enoch's walk. Enoch's walk of faith exemplified a life of rich fellowship with God. Enoch walked with God hand in hand with 
God. He fellowshiped with him. He talked to him. He listened to him. He enjoyed his presence. And now, this time, we're going to see how Noah's witness models how to maintain our testimony, even in a wicked, disobedient world. So say with me, Abel's worship, Enoch's walk, and Noah's testimony. Now, these three men teach us about worship, walk, and testimony. And remember, one follows the other. If you're going to worship God, you come on his terms. You can't have Enoch's walk without Abel's worship. And then you really can't have Noah's testimony without Enoch's walk. If you, you don't get a testimony unless you've got a walk. You can't tell somebody about something you don't know. You can't give somebody something you don't have. You've got to have it to give it. Well, how many of you have enough of Jesus to share it with somebody? Every hand in here better go up. Okay? You can't give what you don't have. And you don't have to be a theologian to give Jesus to people. You just have to have a testimony. And if he touched your life, you've got a testimony. So if you've got a testimony, give me a big amen. amen. Yeah, everybody in here has a testimony. Where would you be without the blood of the Lamb? Where would you be if he had not knocked on the door of your heart and saved your soul? Where would you be? You don't even like to think about it, do you? Now, with these three men, we see faith's progress from a life surrendered to God to one that is controlled by God, finally to one witnessing for God. All right? Now, here's, let's talk about Noah. First, it all began with Noah with a warning of coming judgment from God. Now, I don't know how it happened to him. He had no Bible. Moses had not yet arrived on the scene. We're in uh, early Genesis. And so he had a walk with God, a relationship with God, and God, by the Holy Spirit, either audibly or in his heart, God began to communicate with Noah that a judgment was coming. And it was an incredible word. Look what it says in Hebrews eleven seven. 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. In holy fear, he moved in faith. Now, what we learn from Noah is before God brings judgment, he warns his people. Before God judges the, the, the earth, or even a person, an individual, he will send warnings to you, and he will send warnings to a country, saying, if you don't turn, if you don't repent, if things don't change, if you don't get right with me, imminent judgment is coming. Our God is a God of love, but he's a God of holiness, and he's also a God of judgment. And I want to tell you, I know, I know, America is ripe for the judgment of God. And I don't want to see it. It breaks my heart to say it. But I've studied the word a lot in the last few months on the subject of judgment. Scanning Isaiah, Jeremiah, the minor prophets, reading every word over and over again. And, and i got to tell you, it's impossible that America is not ripe for judgment. America is going to be judged if America doesn't turn. And here's Noah Minding his own, just walking with God. And God says, judgment is coming, Noah. Judgment is coming. Now, let's look at the Genesis account. Here's what the book of Genesis tells us about Noah, starting in chapter 6, verses 9 through 14. This is the account of Noah, the Bible says. 
Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. Now notice the condition of the earth. The earth was corrupt in the sight of God and full of what, everyone? Violence. As man departs from God, he becomes more sensual and more violent. It's a guarantee. You depart from God, you will become more sensual, more violent. As civilization departs from God, it is given over to sensuality and over to violence. Now, God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people. How many of the people? All the people on earth had corrupted their ways or their lifestyle. The lifestyle of every human being was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. Now, how's that for a word? I'm going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence because of people. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Now, can I tell you tonight that this is not a fairy tale, it's not a metaphor, It's not a myth. It's not a fable. It's not an illustration. This is a historical account of what happened. God finally reached the point where mankind crossed the line. And he said, that's it. He said, Noah, I want you to start building an ark. Now, keep in mind, this was a hundred plus years before judgment fell. That's why some people continue in sin. Because for a season, there's no judgment. And they fall under a delusion that it was all a myth or a fable that God would judge them if they sinned. And so because God's judgment tarries, man continues in sin. But I'm going to tell you something, church. His judgment always comes. It always falls. It always lights on people. And it always answers sin if there's no repentance. So God says, I'm going to destroy the earth, and I'm going to destroy all people. Here sits Noah receiving this word. Can you imagine that? So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. The pitch was like tar, and the pitch was not only to seal the wood, but the pitch kept it soundproof the ark so that he could not hear the cries of the damned as the rain fell. And that's just the truth. Okay? Now, Genesis 6 through 10, those chapters, five chapters, are dedicated to the life of Noah and the great flood and Noah's descendants. So, for God to give this story five chapters in the book of Genesis, this is huge, major. This was the the catastrophic great flood that covered the entire earth and changed the makeup, the geological makeup of the earth forever. So here's Noah receiving this word now, and we're told three key things about the life of Noah. Look who God spoke to. He was righteous. He lived a blameless life in front of the people of his day. It says in front of the people of his day, he was blameless. He kept a good lifestyle testimony in front of the people of his day. And like Enoch, he walked with God, walked with him. Now, as Noah walked with God, he received this word that shook him to the core. I'm going to put an end to all people. 
The earth is filled with violence because of them, and so judgment is coming. Can you imagine that? And imagine this. It would happen with an occurrence that had never before taken place on earth. Rain. God was telling him, I'm going to bring a judgment via a method, via an occurrence, an event that has never happened before. Rain. Look what the Bible says in Genesis 2, 5 through 6. It says, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not yet caused it to what, everyone? Rain upon the earth. And there was no man to till the ground. So how did God, how, how was vegetation watered? It says right there, a mist came up from the ground and watered the vegetation. So the phenomenon of clouds hovering overhead and rain falling out of the sky had not yet happened because Noah is in Genesis 6 and this is Genesis 2. A mist was coming up out of the earth and watering everything. So catch this now. It goes on and says, there went up a mist, a fog, a vapor from the land, Genesis says, and watered the whole surface of the ground. So that's how God took care of everything. A mist, a fog, came up from the earth. Now, I want you to start seeing parallels between us and Noah. Because like Noah, we have been given a sure word of prophecy that an event never before seen will take place. And what is it? The rapture of the church and the return of Christ to rule the world in righteousness. God said to Noah, something's going to come out of the sky. I'm going to flood the world. I'm going to destroy every human being, and I'm going to change forever the makeup of the world. And you've never seen this before, Noah, but you're going to have to believe me. And what has God told us? The day is coming when Jesus Christ is going to rapture his church. We've never seen that before. And the Bible tells us that one day Jesus Christ is going to appear in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn and wail because of him. And do we believe that? Yes, we do. How do you believe that? Why do you believe that? Because the word of God says so. And the word of God is accurate and true. Thy word is truth. The word of the Lord endures forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. The word of the Lord and Jesus Christ himself said, I'm coming back. I'm going to return. And so, like Noah, we have received a word that we're going to see one day something that has never happened before. And it's going to take place. And it's going to be cataclysmic. It's going to be incredible, stunning, amazing, unprecedented. Now, I want to look at three aspects of Noah's testimony to his generation. Because, see, Abel worshiped the Lord, and we learn from that. He did it God's way. And Enoch walked with God in faith, and by that he pleased God. And we learn from Enoch in that way. But tonight I want to learn about Noah's testimony because, look, God said the whole world has corrupted itself. The entire world is living in such wickedness. I can't take it anymore, and I'm going to judge it. Noah was not in Disneyland. Noah was in a wicked, corrupt, sin-blackened, monstrous culture. 
that God said it's no good for anything else but for me to judge it. It's crossed the line. That's, that's the world that Noah lived in. Filled with violence, filled with bloodshed, filled with unbelief, cursing God, blaspheming God. Now, let's look then at how he maintained a testimony. Because how many of you have found it a challenge at times to maintain a testimony in this current culture? Come on, everybody. Are y'all out there? I know I do. And I'm a preacher and I work in a church, but I get out there enough, let me tell you. Um, Everywhere you turn, you're having to say real quick who you are and what you do. And that you're a Christian so that they don't talk a certain way around you and, 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 and uh, live a certain way around you and so that it can be understood right up front. This is who I am and this is who I believe in and I am a child of God through Jesus Christ. And so let's look at it. First of all, his preparation was a testimony to the world. His preparation. It says Noah received God's word and was moved to action. In holy fear, he built an ark. In ho- I mean, God said, I'm going I'm I'm to remove everybody. He said, I believe you, and, I, and I'm, I, I'm afraid. And so I'm going to build an ark in obedience to you, Lord. I'm not going to rebel against you. He, in holy fear, he began to, say with me, prepare. In holy fear, he began to prepare. Noah's preparation was a daily witness to his generation of the coming judgment of God. Now, we know that he built this ark for over 100 years. Can you imagine that? Over 100 years. For over a century, he faithfully worked away on the ark. Now, people were passing by. He had neighbors. He wasn't alone in the world. We know that the whole world was filled with people and filled with violence. So what do you think they thought when he's building something way inland and they say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm building a boat. Well, for what? For water. Well, there isn't any water. But he built it anyway. And so here goes people passing by. Now, I'm just kind of using my sanctified imagination here, but i got to tell you, I think, I think the mothers and the dads told their kids that, that that's the nutty old man that lives down the street. He thinks he's building a boat. There's, there's no water. We know, we know. But just kind of smile at him and wave when you go up by on your way to school. Just, just wave at him. That's, that's nutty old Noah, nutty Noah. There he is. And, and, uh, and, you know, he aged. We know that he aged. And, of course, he, he looked like an older man now. And um, I think everybody just nodded their head. As a matter of fact, I know they nodded their head. And I know that they humored him. The Bible tells us they did. But you know what? With every stroke of his hammer, Noah was saying, judgment is coming. Get right with God while you can. Every time you get up and go to church, every time you have a little Bible study at your house, every time you go to the place of prayer, every time you are publicly visible as a Christian, you know what you're doing? You're testifying of the reality of God and of the soon coming of Jesus Christ. The parallel between him and us is all over this story. Our own preparation to meet Jesus Christ is a daily reminder to the world that Jesus is coming again. Judgment, folks, is certainly going to fall. And you must get right with God while grace is available. Because the Bible is very clear. The age of grace is going to end. And amazing grace, how sweet the sound 
is no longer going to be extended. And there's one chance, one life to get right with God, and then it's over. And you will not have another chance to get right with God. Look at what Jude said. He said, but you, beloved, what did Noah do? He built an ark. What are you supposed to do? You, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Do you hear that now? Look, building, praying, keeping, looking. I'm building myself up in the faith. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm keeping myself in God's love. And I am looking for what, everyone? I'm looking for the mercy. And that means the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you know what? Noah's testimony was, I'm testifying to my generation by preparing for what I know is coming. And God says, your testimony is exactly the same. You ought to be preparing for the coming again of Jesus Christ. Noah was preparing for rain. We're preparing for the coming again of Jesus Christ. And so you can't just sit there and be passive. It says you're to be building something. Well, Noah built an ark. What are you supposed to be building? You're supposed to be building your relationship with God, building your relationship with Jesus. Every day you ought to be saying, good morning, Lord, and every night, good night, Lord, I love you. What have you got for me today? Let me spend some time with you. I'm supposed to be building myself up in my holy faith, not tearing it down, not weakening it, not diluting it, not polluting it, but building myself up in my holy faith, looking for the mercy of Jesus. Do you know that so much of the New Testament teaching is very, very clear to you and me that, that our, we are, we're, we're supposed to always be looking up we are to have an anticipation that Jesus Christ is about to come again. Noah was moved with godly fear to prepare himself. And in doing so, he testified to his generation. So we too are to be moved with godly fear and prepare ourselves to meet the Lord. How many of you know Jesus is coming? He's coming. And let me tell you, you don't know the hour and you don't know the day. Jesus was very clear that when you think he's going to, he won't. And when you don't expect him, that's when he's going to return. And there's where you're going to have to have your lamp filled with oil and shining. In Jesus' parable of the ten virgins, you've got to be ready. And what I notice in that story is when he comes, five of the virgins had oil in their lamps, which I believe is the Holy Spirit and a cultivated relationship with Jesus. Five of them did not have, a, uh, were not full of the Holy Spirit and had not cultivated their relationship with the Lord. And notice the five that didn't have wanted from the ones that did. And the ones that had it said, go get your own. You should have been doing it all this time. You should have been working on your relationship with him all this time. And now he's returned when you didn't expect it and you're not ready. And I can't give you, I, listen, your grandma's faith isn't going to save you. Your mama's faith isn't going to save you. Your spouse's faith isn't going to save you. Because one will be taken from the bed and the other left. Only you can get the oil in your own lamp and cultivate your own relationship with him and be always expecting his return. 
So I'm exhorting you tonight, church. And those of you listening by radio, hear me now. It's time to focus on God. It's time to focus on our walk with Him, our talk with Him. It's time to grow in Him. It's time to spend time with Him. Look what it says in Romans 13. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Well, here's another one. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. As you eagerly do what, everybody? Wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. And look at this one. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 7 to 8. And then here's another good one. But our citizenship is in heaven. And what are we doing? Say it with me. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control is going to transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Do you see that passage after passage after passage says we ought to be eagerly awaiting the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to transform your body. You know what? You're going to be walking along just like Enoch, walking with God. You're going to be worshiping in spirit and in truth. You're going to be testifying to this current generation by your preparation and by words, by your verbal testimony. And all of a sudden, God's going to turn to the sun and say, go get your bride. And that trumpet's going to blow. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, At the sound of the last trump, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Grandma, grandpa, mother, dad are going to rise first. Those that have gone before you are going to rise first. And as they come out of the grave, they're going to be given glorified bodies. And then we who remain are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the Bible says, and the Bible says that We ought to eagerly be looking forward to that and preparing for it by building ourselves up in our most holy faith, looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. I could almost preach on this. Look what it says. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we, what everyone, wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, he's coming back. All right. The second thing about Noah, he not only prepared for what God told him was coming, But his words were a testimony to the world. His words. Look what it says about Noah in 2 Peter 2, verse 5. And God did not spare the ancient world, except for Noah and the seven others in his family. What does it say Noah did? He warned the world of God's righteous judgment. That's talking about a verbal testimony. So there's no such thing as a silent witness. Now, I know there are times you've got to use wisdom for when you bring it up and broach the subject and all of that. I understand that. But people who never talk about the Lord, who never share their faith, who never give a reason for the hope that is in them, that's not biblical. The Bible says that we are to be as Noah was. Noah warned the world. 
And what was Noah's message? Well, we know what it was. He warned of God's coming judgment. And you know what his second message was? He pointed to the ark as the only answer. There wasn't any other answer. The ark he was building was the only answer. The ark was a picture of Jesus Christ. There was no other answer. When that rain began to fall, the floodwaters began to rise as high as Mount Everest. There was no tree you could climb up into, no mountain you could reach the top of and avoid the water. There was only one salvation, and it was the ark. That's it. There was nowhere else to go, no other option. It was one way or no way. And so, as Noah pointed to the ark on a daily basis... And said, there's your answer. I'm building something that will save you. If you'll believe my word, if you'll believe my message, I'm building something that will save you. So we have got to point to Jesus Christ and say, you know what? When the judgment falls and the end of this world arrives or you die, forget the end of the world. You die. We're all going to die or be raptured. There's not going to be any salvation in Buddha or Muhammad or Confucius or any other world religious leader or your good intentions. Well, I've never even received a traffic ticket. You think you're going to say to God, who's looking at you in all your sin, and you're going to say, I never received a traffic ticket. You will be rendered dumb and speechless in front of God. That will look so stupid in front of God. It will not come out of your mouth in front of God. Well, I was a good dad. I was a good mom. God's answer is your righteousness to me. Your good works, what you think is good about you, is as filthy rags to me. It will not save you. There's only one salvation. Church, Noah was a picture of the new covenant that was to come. He pointed to that ark. He said, I'm building the way out for you. And nobody believed him. Not anybody. But do you know how many people could have been in that ark, floating above the water, saved if they had believed the word? I'm telling you before God, all joking aside, if you think that you're going to be received by God and walk into heaven and enjoy paradise, and be accepted in, uh, uh, in your own good works. You are not. There was one ark to save them, the ark of the new covenant, the ark of the New Testament, the ark of the age of grace is Jesus Christ. And if you're not in him, you will not be saved. We, is that really true, Pastor Jeff? It's absolutely true. Look what Jesus said. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man. No man. I don't care who they are. No man. I don't care if you gave billions of dollars to charity. I don't care if you were a great mom or dad or person, president of the United States. doesn't matter to me. No man comes to the Father but through me. Totally exclusive. Totally one way. Totally narrow. No other options. They said in Acts 4, verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, not another name, not one other way by which we must be saved. No other name but the name of Christ. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. 
I've, I've been around long enough. I see how quickly somebody can succumb to a disease, succumb to an accident, and when you think you've got years stretching out in front of you, suddenly you're brought to death's door. I dealt with it this week. Someone who didn't think they would face it, and they were brought instantly, suddenly, unexpectedly to death's door. Then you go, well, what am I believing in to get me into heaven or to assure my salvation? What am I doing? There's only one thing that'll do it, and it's Abel's way, Abel's worship. It's got to be the blood sacrifice and the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's got to be Enoch's walk with God by faith through Christ. And now it's got to be Noah's testimony. We're testifying to a generation that is just like his. It's wicked. It's dark. It's rebellious. It is thumbing his nose at God. It is daring God to judge them. And God will oblige. Noah had only one answer, one solution, one place of safety, the ark. And likewise, our message to this present generation is exactly the same. And then finally, Noah testified with great patience. How many of you have ever needed patience with somebody you were trying to lead to Christ? How many of you, how about some family members? As a matter of fact, you're just really looking forward to Thanksgiving and Christmas. Because you know some of these fun-loving, wonderful folks are going to be at your house once again, or you're going to be over there. And you know what you're going to have to put up with. You're going to have to put up with the drinking. You're going to have to put up with the cussing. You're going to have to put up with the mockery of your faith. And you're going, oh, Lord, here I go again. Listen, Noah testified with great patience. You know what I learned a long time ago? My job is to deliver it. God's job is to bring them in. I can't bring anybody in. I can't do it. I, my family tried me to the marrow of my bones. My family mocked me, ridiculed me, made fun of me. And, and my mother's going to hear this on radio. My mother made fun of me. And she knows it now. Now she's a praying woman now. But she made fun of me. And she said, man, you always go from one extreme to another. But you know what? I knew I had made peace with God through Jesus Christ. And so I began to testify to my family. It took decades. It took years. Just stayed with it. Sometimes didn't say anything because I'd already said enough. Had to pray over it. Just let the word work. I've learned. I can't change anyone. I can't change you. I don't even try to change you. I deliver the word and go home. And I let the word work because the Lord watches over his word to perform it. I, my first few years of pastoring drove me crazy because I get up there every Sunday and preach my heart out, jump up and down, twirl, spit, spew, preach that word. And some of these people sit there and never change one whit. I wanted to take them out back. What's the matter with you? I'm telling you the truth in God. And then the Lord just said to me one day, let up. Preach the word and then let the word work. If they don't listen to the word, they'll answer to me. You're not to change them. You're the delivery boy. So I bring the pizza. You got to eat it. That's it. Now, (laughs) Noah testified with great patience. Nobody took him seriously. 
but he patiently testified for over a century. Look what happened. Look at all these people that came in after over a hundred years, and he did not spare, God did not spare the ancient world that saved Noah, one of eight people. And they were all family. His entire generation, he didn't have one convert after a hundred years. That's patience. That's patience. He's a preacher of righteousness. All right. The people of Noah's day were completely unmoved by his message. And as it was in the days of Noah, Jesus said, so it's going to be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. And you go, well, they don't sound too sinful to me. They were just eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. At least they were getting married. So what's wrong with them? See, here's the whole picture. Here's what he's saying here. He's saying they were completely unmoved. It was business as usual. They ignored the man. They ignored the word. They ignored his warning. That's what Jesus is saying in Luke 17 and verse 26. He's saying they did not change anything. They did not stop their normal life to give any heed to the warnings of God through Noah. And Jesus said, that's the way it'll be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. You're going to have a whole, a whole big slice of the culture, folks, that are going to do this very thing. Yeah, 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 those right-wing extremist nutcases, those, those, those right-wing fruitcakes who, you know, they're always talking about the coming again of Jesus Christ and they're conservative and, 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 you know, absolute truth and they don't change and they can't see any gray area. They're real black and white. You know those people. And they won't change a thing. And look what happened. Until Jesus comes and destroys them all. testimony of Noah didn't phase them at all. It was business as usual, and yet Noah patiently testified. Can we stand together? <clears throat> I was talking to this uh, lady yesterday. I was at a store. I was at a place making a purchase, and so she just happened to say, well, what do you do? And I went, oh, I'm a pastor. She goes, you're a man of God? And I said, well, I do my best. And she said, oh, I didn't know you were a man of God. I said, well, hey, you know, I'm okay. What are you afraid of? And immediately the woman was extremely nervous because I was a preacher. You would think she'd go, oh, praise the Lord. No, you're a man of God. I thought, what's out there is amazing. Isn't it amazing? So you, you, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian? See, our culture out there knows that something is up. And they know God's real. Now let me ask you a question. Are you maintaining your testimony? And are you preparing, eagerly preparing for the coming of Jesus? 
And are you verbally letting it be known at the right time and the right place? Your faith. Are you telling them? Of course, I gave her a card and invited her to church. Are you, are you out there as a light shining in the world? Because that's what Noah was. So when that rain began to fall and the judgment hit and the boat began to rise and those people began to cry out for help, there was no blood on his hands. But I testified to you for over 100 years. I told you the truth. I want our church to reach people. And we're going to. We're going to reach thousands of people. Thousands of people. Because they need it and they're looking for it. And I want to release you tonight. I want to pray over you to be a modern-day Noah. Use wisdom. Don't be obnoxious. Use wisdom, but prepare for his return and testify patiently of the reality of Jesus. Will you let me pray for you? Father, we just thank you that Noah, Lord, Noah's testimony testifies to us with no Bible, with no Pentecost, with none of that. He was a faithful light to his generation. And now, Lord, we ask you to help us to be faithful lights to this generation, to prepare our own ark, to build ourselves up in the faith, and, Lord, to verbally testify and testify by the way we live that God is real and that Jesus Christ is going to come back. I pray for every person in this room who knows people I'll never know, I'll never meet. Help us, Lord, to shine, to testify, to invite, to reach out with what God has done in us and share it with other people in wisdom and effectively. Now, I want you to take a minute. There's somebody in your life, family, friends, neighbors, you know who they are. As you go through your life, there's people that God has put in your orbit. I want you to think right now and pray, Lord, help me to be a modern-day Noah. You are awesome. You are
I'll turn to your neighbor and tell them, shine in this current generation. <laughs>